This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on the Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. On today's Property Show, we are in conversation with Edmund Yong. He's the co-founder of boutique blockchain consultancy firm Celebrus Advisory. We're going to have a conversation over the hype surrounding the metaverse and whether there really are investment opportunities in digital real estate or virtual property. Okay, just give us a lowdown, a 101 on this concept called Decentraland. Everyone's talking about it. What is this all about? Decentraland. And an easy way to understand this, I think, is to think of a high-tech version of Monopoly, which we play as kids, you know, to learn about property. You get to become a developer, build houses, on hotels, on cheap and expensive locations, and then rent them out. In the Metaverse version, like Decentraland, you get this virtual city with its own self-contained digital economy. The advantage is you can curate your own image and become your ideal fantasy. Everyone is good looking. You can choose your own avatars, have to cool new outfits every day. It's crime-free. Nobody goes to jail, unlike Monopoly. And the streets are all clean. There's no rubbish because you can't smell anything. So the use case really mainly is for gaming and not for living. It's quite similar to those multiplayer online role-playing games. It's meant to be recreational and entertaining, but things are moving fast to mimic many aspects of real life. Virtual Monopoly, that's why you say, everyone's good looking, there's no crime, sign me up. But as you say, <laughs> Decentraland is just, it's a metaverse, isn't it? And there are many metaverses out there, like Sandbox. Tell me, help me understand the different metaverses out there. Yeah, there are many metaverses. In fact, it will be a multiverse, not just one metaverse. Theoretically, there could be an endless number of metaverses with infinite real estate, which is like a Spider-Man movie. And believe it or not, uh, there are even projects that tokenize the planet Mars to sell land on planet Mars. And once you tap into outer space, the sky is not the limit anymore. It's not just about selling land. Metaverses are being recreated for online meetings, social interactions, virtual stores. You know, your Microsoft Teams, you know, Facebook Meta, Alibaba, DingTalk will be on a metaverse. So it's quite diverse. And this is what I think intrigues me. There are so many like competing elements to it. How is it governed? You know, are there rules that define each respective metaverse and who sets up the rules in terms of how we operate and work in those respective environments? So these metaverses, you know, some are decentralized, so they govern okay, by DAOs, okay, or decentralized autonomous organizations. A lot of them are centralized. The Web2 version okay, of metaverses, before they st- stuck the label metaverse into it and made it all hip, uh, are all centralized. Um, the decentralized version is what makes Web3, okay, the current you know, phenomenon, where you have this um, communal body okay, of users coming together and decide to take this whole new virtual world forward. Um, and these are proprietary and different platforms by different tech providers. You know, there is uh, really okay, no connectivity between them. Interesting. So there isn't really any interoperability. You can't, there's no bridge that connects the different monopoly bots, essentially. That's what you're saying. They are all in their own respective realms per se. So how, as, as a user and someone who is new to this whole game, how do we pick metaverses? What attracts people to respective metaverses then? It really kind of depends, okay, on... um, I think gaming is the main motive here because there's a huge, ready, active gaming market globally. So remember the video games like Second Life or SimCity, which simulate urban settings and you get to be someone else. 
or um, the 80s board game Risk, which I played. You know, there's a thrill of playing with two, mm. colonize and conquer the continents over again. You yeah. know, or Dungeons and Dragons, where you acquire weapons and potions to battle monsters. The metaverse can create this realistic soundstage and make you feel like a kid all over again. So in this current iteration of metaverse, you know, you get to own virtual land and you can build games on it and charge a fee. You create billboards for advertising property showrooms if you want, or art galleries. You can also rent them out to others to design their games, host parties, karaoke's, concerts, offer all sorts of merchandising. It's a blank canvas. And if you want, you could even replicate Jonker Street or Pataling Street for visitors to explore. Mm. I mean, tourism and leisure should take notes. <laughs> I think I read somewhere that uh, I think the government of Barbados uh, announced plans to open an official diplomatic embassy in Decentraland or D-Land. I don't know how it's going to work, you know, how they're going to process passports there, okay, but yeah, that's something that's happening. So you talk about the the genesis of all this metaverse really comes from gaming, which is really much about recreation and le- leisure. And I think on top of people's mind is this whole idea of it being an investment option or investment strategy now. What's your take? And I guess for being part of the property show, the question then is, you know, how does one buy property then in, in the metaverse Okay, um, there's um, a few threads, okay, to the, the question. Um, I'm just going to attack okay, the investment part of it first. Sure. So this whole thing, okay, about um, investment, what you're buying in, okay, is really the token or in-game currency. It's not the tech stock of the parent companies, okay, that build these metaverses, you know, like uh, Animoca brands listed on ASX and like Roblox listed on NYSE. So you don't get dividends on the tokens, but you do on tech stocks or shares. So if you are a lay investor and you don't want to bother about the so-called metanomics or crypto part of it, you might just want to buy the tech stocks instead. Um, if you insist on buying the tokens, you could speculate this for capital gains by entering early. Um, some metaverses offer play-to-earn models for gamers. You earn tokens as you play, which is quite distinct from owning virtual land and a separate discussion. As to um, buying land, okay, um, do you mean buying land or buying the tokens? The land. Um, the land, okay. See, so ownership of the land, okay, is bought and sold in NFT form or non- non-fungible tokens. You can acquire these lands directly on the platform itself or through an external NFT marketplace such as um, OpenSea or Rarible. I, for Sandbox, which is currently the largest metaverse, there were about 65,000 transactions in virtual land last year, totaling $315 million. And this is three times larger than the amounts on Decentraland, with about 21,000 transactions worth $110 million. Okay, that's my homework. It is still nascent, isn't it? I mean, when you talk about relative market sizes to all the other investment options out there, it is quite small. So what, what intrigues people? Why do people get into this space? Why do people buy virtual property now? What is the motivation? Is it just for fun and collectible? Fun, okay, is, is definitely okay, um, part of it, I think. I would say, okay, um, when we look at uh, um, the whole phenomenon okay, of it, right, okay, um, it's pop culture to a large extent. And celebrities, okay, are out there shilling this and going to tell you, okay, it's valuable. You know, they get paid to do so. You're Matt Damon's, you're Tom Brady's. You get to party next to Paris Hilton, you know, and Ariana Grande. You get to associate, okay, with lifestyle brands that are in the metaverse for segment marketing like Gucci, Samsung. 
Adidas, Warner Music. I think even JP Morgan has a business lounge mm. set up somewhere. It's all part of Flex. You know, hey, check this out. I was at Samsung's lodge for Galaxy smartphone in D-Land. Here's my cool NFT. And then it is a brand then, essentially. It's about being associated with the brand, essentially, isn't it? Correct, correct, correct. And, and also, I think, at Mature, a large extent, this is a new normal post-COVID phenomenon. I think with uh, Zoom, where we are right now, becoming a central part of our lives. The young generation Z, for instance, the Zoomers, along with millennials, they are really the first to embrace this. I think the excitement of hype is generational. These are digital nomads. They are Robin Hoodies. They don't like to invest in traditional stocks. Mm. And because housing is unaffordable, I think that's a pretty important point, okay? It kind of pushes them to seek out alternative assets, you know, and for lack of a better word, meme stocks. And I guess this is the question, right? Have we seen any sense of transactions taking place in the metaverse? And what what do the transactions at the moment in terms of exchanging a value and property tell us? Right. So, yeah, so they they, they play this up really well. You know, uh, they um, issue, you know, um, through sometimes what's called Genesis Plazas, okay, or Alpha Sessions, okay, that's nice fancy names to, you know, tell you there's a development in place and then they'll issue out, you know, um, parcels of land for sale in a primary market. So what you do, okay, is that you buy this out in a primary market straight from the developer or the proprietor, you know, mm. the central end or sandbox. Most, okay, of the transactions, okay, um, have already been exhausted in the primary market. In other words, okay, there's hardly any new virgin green fields to be sold. So what happens now is that you will have to buy them in the secondary market, like a sub-sale transaction for properties. So I think they were about... Uh, go, sorry, but hold on, you say virgin green fields, but this is virtual, isn't it? What, what scarcity are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, why, yeah. Why are we talking right. about the fact that there is a constraint? We are talking about the virtual realm, isn't it? There's no physical constraints with respect to property. So why are we talking about secondary and still not primary? Well, because they play out the whole concept of scarcity. Um, so, for instance, like, you know, as Sandbox and D-Land, okay, it's pretty much a square box, okay, or a rectangle, okay, in terms of D-Land. Whatever, okay, like, you know, ventures out beyond, okay, you know, the square box or rectangle, okay, it's anyone's guess. It's like the Truman Show. So, um, they, they contain it inside, and, and then you just have to um, make do, okay, with the developments, okay, that's actually already in. They parcel out the land, for instance, D-Land, it's made up of about 250 plus, okay, parcels, you know, and I think Sandbox has got about 160,000 each. So what we do, KC, okay, is that like to a large extent, the secondary market case, okay, the one, okay, that's been taking up most of the activity. You know, you buy it off from other people as opposed okay, to buying it straight, okay, from, you know, the, the game proprietor itself, the metaverse itself. On today's property show, Edmund Yong from Celebrus Advisory, as we discuss the investment opportunities or not in digital real estate. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is a very special guest, Edmund Yong. He's the co-founder of boutique blockchain consultancy firm Celebrus Advisory because we ask about this treasure chest called the metaverse and whether there are opportunities in the digital real estate. So Edmund, we ended the last conversation about scarcity or perhaps the lack of it and how we create artificial constructs around that in, in the tangible physical real world. We always think location, location, location. Does that really matter here? Actually, you were right okay, in the last conversation. When we talk about scarcity, it is a relative concept because this is not real property. It's mm. surreal property. You know, There's only one Mother Earth, but there are many metaverses. It's a metaverse. It's a multiverse. So 
when we do look at um, the sandbox, what they have marketed in such a way that location is perceived as an important factor. The central area, which I would call Central Park, is the most expensive, incidentally, because you have famous celebrities living there like Snoop Dogg. And then the cheapest ones tend to be at the, the periphery, the border of the sandbox. But yeah, since we're not talking about real estate, I agree that physical location is pretty much out the window. It's the same as the central land. Okay, you have a lot of like, you know, activity, you know, gravitating towards Genesis Plaza, so the Dragon City, okay, but nothing else really beyond it. So the way I see it is that if we look at it like a media real estate rather than property real estate, then the focus okay, is moved away from location to content being king. Content is mm. king. Content draws in a community, you know, without great content from the users, the metaverse is just a lousy pipe. It's not because Snoop Dogg, you know, is this super famous neighbor. You know, it's because he's creating an exclusive space to access all his creative content, you know, his music label, Death Row, his latest albums, his performances. So if we approach this kid like ad space, advertising space, first and foremost, it means this is attention-based. Forget location, it's all about getting share of eyeballs, engagement, extending user attention span as long as possible. So if you approach it like media property rather than real property, it makes more sense that way. You just have to keep publishing and developing great content instead of great projects and buildings and, and such. But do you need to locate the content? I guess because you can suspend it, isn't it? It doesn't need to be occupied in the land because what I understand is that all these transactions are over the land and then you build the content over it and that's valued very separately. You don't attach the same value to the land. So why do you need to buy land essentially since if content is really king? Well, you buy because you're a content publisher, okay, and then, okay, you rent out, okay, the land, okay, to paying advertisers, you know, who would then, okay, like, you know, give you money, okay, to do stuff in there like marketing. Um, a lot of companies, okay, go in there, okay, to do PR stunts. I, I don't know why they do that, okay, but it does speak, you know, to their target market, okay, to a large extent. For instance, I think Visa, okay, bought an NFT, you know, if I remember correctly, PricewaterhouseCoopers, okay, of all companies, bought a plot of land in Decentraland. These companies, you know, they, they engage, okay, the target segment with this medium to deliver branded messaging. You know, this whole adage that medium is the message. And it gives them free global coverage too. I mean, oversized media impact, you know, several times more than what a normal PR campaign can do. So you're absolutely right, Kate, in all these counts, okay, like, you know, how, you know, you're going to monetize all this, okay, you know, the business model is still quite fluid and malleable at this point of time. It's anyone's guess. But for people okay, who buy these lands because they are the advertiser content creator, then these lands become their media assets. If BFM buys okay, something there, okay, then okay, BFM can showcase, you know, their content. Okay, so then this is focused about the transaction and the value. How do you value the land? Because you were already alluding to that, okay, in Central Park, it is valued to a certain point, but at the periphery or the fringes of the verse, it, it doesn't quite so. What's the basis of the valuation? Is there any basis? <laughs> okay, this is... this. Question is going to get me into trouble. I think my answer is not going to be popular. I probably will get hate mail from this. Uh, first of all, absolutely spot on. This is not land. You cannot appraise this like land. You cannot grow trees on it. You know, it's just a piece of code. It's smart contract. So the honest question is, what makes this piece of code so valuable? So let's try to go back to the fundamentals. Then, does the virtual land sector really have high growth prospects for years to come? Uh, that's anyone's guess. Will it outperform other sectors of the crypto industry as a whole? Currently, it does. Um, then also, there's a question: will, Which metaverse will outform the others. You might also want to be careful of wash trading because there's no transparency of who the buyers are who might jack up the land prices. It could be the same people behind the scenes. 
And because, okay, this for a bit of a PSA, I think we should always, always refer to the greater fool theory and ask this question, you know, your theory around love de Buddha. Is there a greater fool out there than you <laughs> who will eagerly pay a higher price than you for this piece of code? If none of your families and friends are willing to do so, then you're the only fool you know. You need to be sure that there is a greater fool, but there are greater fools out there that exist that will willingly buy this from you at a higher price before you buy one yourself. So comparative fools, would you then say that there isn't really a vibrant secondary market? because of this okay. awareness on transparency of the market of awareness of the level of foolishness of different people. Yeah. The, so, okay, you, you're putting me in a corner here, okay? Yeah. Um, so I would like to think of it this way. Um, it really depends, okay, on where, okay, these virtual lands okay, are going into and whether they, they are going beyond the utility of gaming and entertainment. Gaming and entertainment are already trillion-dollar services as an industry, but they are not asset classes. So we talk about secondary market. I'm going to give you a painful real-life example. You may have heard of this thing called security token offerings, which are ICOs, initial coin offerings that tokenize mm. real estate market. It was the buzziest of buzzwords okay, then. You know, we can learn a lot learn a lot from this, how it was prematurely overhyped and overpromised to a large extent. You know, the industry talked about fractional ownership of properties being the future, but it was easier said than done. In fact, it is easier said than done still. There's no legal recognition, so it depends entirely on workaround solutions and the liquidity so far in the markets have fallen way below expectations due to regulatory uncertainties. There simply isn't a robust secondary market to it for tokenized physical land. So what more virtual land? So if you are a virtual land proprietor, you need to be prepared to sit tight and hold. I mean, if you punt right and you're lucky, you're going to fly. Yeah, it really sounds like when I hear you, and you know, my next question was going to be, should we invest in this? And the the sense I get from you is, and you've quite nicely, I think, tried to articulate all the risk and the regulatory concerns that come with this, that this really isn't for the unsophisticated or even sophisticated investors. And what people tend to do is this is investment for marketing, investment for brand, and not yeah. really investment for a financial return for the property itself. Is that fair? Correct, correct. I think also if we drill down okay, to the legality of it, the NFT, non-fungible token, is just a digital cert for a piece of code. There is no legal title deed like what you have in properties. There's no MOT, a memorandum of transfer. There's no registration and land office. You know, you cannot prove legal proprietary interests at all. It is at best contractual in nature. You know, I, I was, um, you know, legally trained. Okay, so uh, I know what I'm talking about. And we still don't know yet how or whether the courts will recognize this instrument. And if you have a dispute, most likely you have to hire foreign lawyers in foreign jurisdictions because you know, these metaverses are not in Malaysia. And if this is governed by a DAO, decentralized autonomous organization like DLAN, you don't even know who to sue because they're all decentralized. So that's something that you have to you know, consider. Mm. Do you think this is a matter of the fact that this is about time? That time will essentially, and technology will try to solve these problems and that this could be something we could look at in 10 years' time? Or do you think there's a fundamental issue of the concept itself? I, I would say, okay, yes, uh, um, your earlier part, okay, is uh, absolutely prescient. Uh, it's absolutely um, correct. What we've seen so far, okay, is that crypto goes through parabolic fads. Just like what happened in the ICO craze, initial coin offering in 2016-17. And what we see with NFTs currently, the tech is great. But what goes up fast also crashes down hard, especially when you introduce all this like mindless, irrational exuberance and greed into the picture. Secretly, some tech pundits and the really good pet tech pundits hope this NFT bubble where the virtual land is tied into will implode for its own good because you need to have a great purge, just like what happened in the dot-com era. Mm. A mass death of correction, if you like, because this will create the fossil fuels and lessons to power up the next generation of stronger NFTs. 
that can solve real-world problems. We are not anti-NFT. Uh, we just wanted to hurry up along the Gartner hype cycle, you know, fail first and fail fast, and evolve into better creatures that can better serve civilization. And I guess, unfortunately, pain has to serve that necessary lesson here. That That's what you're yes. kind of implying, that we are in this bubble that really does need to burst so that the real truth and issues can be uncovered and resolved. Correct, correct. Absolutely right. So I guess this is a very easy question for you then. Would you invest in a real condo in Moncara or a virtual condo in Moncara? <laughs> uh, this is... Uh, okay, um, yeah, well, uh, okay, let's see. Um, two of my favorite places in the world are, are the toilet in my bedroom. And that's what makes me human. But I cannot sleep and take a dump okay, in a metaverse. Well, at least not yet. So in the meantime, for the sake of practical hygiene, I think I'll invest in a real condo with toilets I can flush. Well, on that very insightful note, that's all the time we have for today's property show. Thank you for being on the show, Edmund. I've been speaking to Edmund Young, co-founder of boutique blockchain consultancy firm Celebris Advisory on digital property. I'm Philip C, signing off for the morning run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.